Hello. Hello, everybody. Happy New Year. I hope your 2022 is going really, really well. The more people I've spoken to, the more I realize almost everyone I know has been ill in the last month. So I hope you're healthy and well and that your family is healthy and well. Whatever challenges you're facing right now, I know people are facing a lot. I just want to remind you, I'm making these podcasts. I am finishing up a book because I have been so burdened for God's people. Honestly, in the last decade, I have had such a pleasure, the unbelievable honor and pleasure of serving God's people as a worship leader in so many churches across Colorado. And one thing that God has just poured out on my heart is how much he loves his people and how much he desires to rescue people, that he is just an adoring father and that he has so much love and passion for you. And that's why all of this discussion and what we're talking about is so important because the most important part of your life is how are you doing spiritually? Are you walking with the Lord? Do you know God? Do you have a relationship with him? Do you really, really know him? And are you invested in him? You know, one thing I always say is, you know, we we'd say as Christians all the time, well, God judges the heart. Yes, absolutely he does. And in an age where we have so much information and so much access to information about him, it is very easy for you to examine whether or not your heart is actually passionate for the Lord. If you're not interested in learning about God, learning about his word, digging into his laws, don't you question whether or not you really have a relationship with the Lord? What is your heart intent on? If you're spending all your time on your work or even your family, if you're spending a lot of time on an addiction or other issues, I got to be honest with you, there is a throne in your heart and it does not belong to the Lord. You know, if your first priority isn't the Lord God above, then you have another priority sitting on the throne in your heart. And so, yes, God judges the heart and the intentions of the heart should be to humbly walk with the Lord. You know, the end of Ecclesiastes basically says there's really only one thing that matters. Have you been obedient to God? You can spend your whole life pursuing pleasure. You can be super successful. You can do everything that you put on your to-do list. But if you have not obeyed the Lord, you have not done anything worthwhile. That's from Solomon. Now, Solomon is considered one of, if not the wisest man in history. Okay. The wisest guy in the Bible tells you at the end of Ecclesiastes, obedience to the Lord is all that's left. That's all there is at the end of your life. And so I have a really big passion for teaching obedience and I don't know it all. Okay. Let's just put it out there right now. Not only have I been horrifically sinful in my life. I mean, anybody that knows me personally is going to be like, yeah, Rachel, you know, she's, she's messed up a lot. Um, and I have, I have, I am here to tell you my testimony is that by the grace of God, I have been redeemed, that he is restoring me, that in the builder's hands, I no longer call myself broken. I know I'm being built. Okay. That is the hope of salvation, right? The Lord God saw me in my state of complete wretchedness. And he said, I love you anyways. Let me pick you up. You want to come with me? We're going to get you cleaned up. We're going to set you in my robes of righteousness. We're going to create in you what is your destiny. And I know he's working on that in me. And I pray and I hope he's working on, on that in you as well. Today, I want to talk about something that 
comes up in the scripture. Um, and again, this really hits on the concept of obedience. And it's the idea of Yeshua's easy yoke versus man-made religions and their heavy yoke. And when I talk about man-made religions, guys, I hit on this in my book a lot. I talk about where the church has gotten out of alignment with scripture because we are out of alignment a lot. And we have gone far from the path that Yeshua taught and that the way the first church was really teaching. Um, And we've done it because of political pressures and cultural pressures over time, people like a guy named Marcion that happened in the first and second centuries, they started to teach against God's ways and God's scriptures. And we still have so many remnants of those doctrines today. And because of that, the church is lost in a sea of man-made religion mixed with God's things. And this mixing, I think, has produced weakness in our walk with the Lord and also a lot of misunderstanding about scripture. You know, intellectuals come along and they're able to pick apart these doctrines and show inconsistencies throughout scripture. And they can do it quite easily because we are hanging on to a burdensome yoke in some ways. And so I want to talk about that today. Let's go to Matthew 11. This is um, where this idea where Jesus says, listen, come to me, all you who are weary. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Now it's in the context. That phrasing is in the middle. It's smack in the middle of these sections. Um, Yeshua has been healing in city after city in Galilee, and he, he's been doing these miracles. And bef- so before this line, he's kind of condemning basically these cities who have seen the miracles he and his disciples have done and who have decided not to repent. He basically says, hey, it's going to be worse for you than Sodom and Gomorrah. You saw the miracles and you aren't repentant anyways. And what do we know repentance is according to scripture? It's a turning away of worldly things and turning towards back to what God has said is truth and righteousness, okay? So it's not just turning away from what you've been doing because you could turn anywhere, right? It's turning to. We know that scripture, when it talks about sin, sin really means missing the mark. It's not as legal of a context as what we think today. The The law of God, the, the ancient Hebrew mind would have understood these as teaching and instructions. It's like a father giving instructions and it advice to his children as to how to live well, how to stay out of, you know, the middle of the street where you're going to get run over, how to avoid the pitfalls and traps of the earth. And so missing the mark, which is sin, according to scripture, just basically means you have not aimed properly. You have not aimed at the bullseye. You've been instead aiming somewhere else. So repentance means you turn from aiming at that somewhere else and you're going to aim at the bullseye. You're going to aim at God's truth. You're going to aim at obedience. Okay. So he's like, Hey, you cities of Galilee that saw all the miracles, you have not repented. You are not, you are still not aiming towards me. And he condemns them. And then he says this strange line, come to me all who are weary for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Okay, and then after this chapter, there is this story of um, the disciples and Jesus walking through a field, and it's the Sabbath, and they're collecting grains uh, because they're hungry. They're just eating the grains off of the off of the wheat, and they are 
immediately, of course, condemned by religious elitists, the legalists of the day, who have come along not with God's law, but with additional laws, very much like the Talmud that the Jews use today. It's additional instruction that puts the fence fence posts way further in so that the area that you can move in is more restricted and it's really burdensome, okay? And Jesus says, you know, no, like David went in and actually ate the showbread in the temple when he was hungry, which was unlawful. That was only supposed to be for the Levitical priesthood, but they were starving. And so in God's law, just so you all know this, in God's law, there is hierarchy. Life is first. If you're starving to death, eating the showbread is not really breaking the law. I mean, it is. It's considered technically unlawful, but nobody claimed that David was wrong for doing this. They needed food. (laughs) He needed sustenance. And so the bread was available and it provided life for them. Yeshua is saying the same thing to these religious elite, kind of the legalists saying, listen, number one, on the Sabbath day, there's no law. There is no law. If you go look at the law about the Sabbath day, it's very simple. It says basically, it's a day of rest from your regular work. You're not supposed to be out publicly working hard and sweating and doing things that would have been really, really difficult work, totally in rebellion and disobedience to the Lord. It's a day that you're supposed to dedicate to God. You're supposed to get away from the regular job that you have, maybe spend time with family. It's a day of rest. That's really all that it, that those are the only dictates around the Sabbath day, pretty much. But you know, the religious elite had added dictates. And one of them was probably this idea of walking through a field and picking grains and you couldn't do that. And Yeshua basically calls them on the carpet for their legalism. So this idea of my yoke is easy, my burden is light is sandwiched between these two stories. One about cities that are are kind of filled with sin and they refuse to repent. They refuse to turn towards the Lord. They're just continuing on in their sinful ways. And then the legalists who are who have added to the law and added to the burden. Now, both of these uh, pendulum swings, I would say the sinful and then the legalist, okay? These are both heavy, heavy burdens. I'll tell you something. Scripture is right in the center. It is a narrow way. Yeshua is a narrow gate. We should not be adding to or taking away from God's law. When we do that, whatever we take away, we lose the blessing of. And whatever we add to, we add a burden to. And it's why I think we see so many people in church today who feel burdened by extra dictates, like the concept that you have to be in church every Sunday. That's not biblical. That's not a law. It's nowhere in scripture. You are never commanded to be in that community every single week. And you can understand why. How burdensome would that be? Would you be sinning if you just had a baby? Would you be sinning if you were in the hospital? Would you be sinning if you were sick? Would you be sinning if you just wanted a vacation? You know, and and how often would you be found sinning if God had made an incredibly burdensome law like that? But he didn't. His laws have meaning, they have context, and they're created for your goodness. You know, the Sabbath day, the day of rest, think about that. What a gift that God wanted to lighten your load. And he said, not only do I want to lighten your load, I'm actually going to push you. I'm going to command you to spend the time with me so you can be refreshed. You can be energized. And we know study after study has shown that people who work seven days a week are actually less productive than people who take that day off. 
That day is for you. It's a blessing. So Yeshua is calling us to his things, okay? Not the world's things. By the way, the world has its own set of religious dictates, does it not? When we look at what happens with the atheistic community or super political communities where they've made their religion something else, maybe the religion is science or maybe the religion is, is politics, because people are so flawed and because, number one, science is always changing, uh, political ideology is always changing and shifting, and politicians are never going to be perfect, what you find is one disappointment after another, and pretty soon there's nothing left to hope in. That is a heavy, heavy burden. I also think this idea goes back to some other verses in scripture that talking about that are talking about being unequally yoked as well. When you are yoked with Yeshua, he is an even uh, yoke for you. So basically that means you wouldn't want to put like a horse and a bull on the same yoke. One would be pulling the other and dragging the other along. Pretty soon you'd kill one of those animals. Okay. So Christ is equally, like if you are a believer and you are with other believers or you are living according to Yeshua's ways, you are not going to have something yoked to you that's going to drag you into death. All right? You want Yeshua there as your partner. He is the guy that knows exactly how to take care of you. And so I just wanted to kind of point out this week about Yeshua's easy yoke versus man-made religions. Everyone worships something. We are made to worship. Everyone has a hierarchy of value in their lives. I promise you, if Yeshua is not your number one top position, if his ways are not sitting in the throne of your heart, whatever you are yoked to is going to burden you. I'll just tell you my personal testimony in this is that when I started really following what Christ said and I got rid of the religious legalistic stuff that man had added to God's word, my burden became nothing. (laughs) I mean, I'll be honest, it wasn't actually easy necessarily to take some of the steps God asked me to take, but when I took them, God lightened my load. I learned how to trust him better. And I understood more about the goodness of our Heavenly Father. He has not given you laws to harm you. He never gave the law to harm anyone. His law is not a curse. His ways are blessing. You know, the number five in scripture has a lot of meaning. And five represents um, often the, the first five books of the Bible, which are called the Torah. They're the law. Um, they're, they're, and they're bundled as these five called the Torah. The number five in scripture is also the number for grace and and reign. And so this idea of God's law and God's grace in combination is right there, even in the way that that number operates throughout scripture. And, and I've talked about this before, and I will again, the five loaves and the two fish in the New Testament, what Yeshua is teaching, the deeper meaning of that miracle and what he is teaching those people. It is so incredible and it is so cool, but it really talks to this idea that five is the law and grace combined. There is no animosity between God's law and God's grace. His law actually is gracious to us. It's specific 
Don't we need a specific father who tells us exactly what he means when he says, walk in my ways? When he says, follow me, don't we like the specifics or are we so afraid of being shamed by them that we won't look at them? And that's my question to you as we continue on. And um, I hope I'm going to be able to get you personally the book that I'm writing so you can dig in a little bit more to what I'm talking about here. But are you really ready? Are you really interested in what the Bible says, what God has written to you? Not the man-made version, not the one that happened just, you know, 1,500 years ago, not the version that America has now necessarily, the roots of our faith. We are grafted into a tree, a tree that was planted at the beginning, okay? We don't just go back 2,000 years to understand that root. That root is older. That root began in Genesis. If you want to understand God's intention and ideal for you, go back to the Garden of Eden. That is where you will find what he made for the ideal human situation, okay? That was his ideal, Anything outside of what you find in scripture, if you can't find it in scripture, I'm going to tell you something, it's probably not there. Even though, yes, there are translational issues, yes, we we can debate about words and usage, but scripture should have at least two occurrences of everything to be a firm testimony to what God has said. So if you can't find it in scripture, it's not there. And if you don't find it in the law, Paul talks about a lot of things that aren't necessarily in the law, then you have to understand it's contextual, okay? Don't make additional laws for yourself that God did not. And don't take away from what he's given you as his instruction for how to live as a heavenly citizen on planet Earth. I love you guys. I will have more and more of these. I'm trying to carve out more time to get these done as this book gets all finished up and printed and ready for you. Um, for those of you who are currently already part of my Substack, I am going to send you a few of the chapters of this book for free. Um, you know, anyone who signs up in the next couple of months, I will do the same for you. And that will give you a wonderful preview of the book. And if you're interested and, and want more, then you can you can pick the book up. If you are not interested and don't want any more, then I have given you free fair warning. So uh, I love you guys. I hope you all are having a good new year. And I will be talking to you soon.